0: Applying for a new job is always stressful, but when you have type 1 diabetes, it can be even more stressful. People ask you invasive questions, and if they find out you have diabetes, wondering are you capable of doing your job, even with diabetes, or will diabetes get in your way? On this episode of the podcast, I'm talking to Natasha. Natasha's currently in pharmacy school, and she's applying for residency next year. Over the past couple of years in her pharmacy training, she has encountered some, let's call them difficult bosses and also coworkers questioning her needing to sit down for a minute, treat her low blood sugar, and take care of herself. And as she moves on to residency, she's wondering how to approach this, how to make sure she gets her needs met, but also making sure that she's able to advance in her career and not let diabetes hold her back. Welcome to the Live Free with T1D podcast brought to you by The Diabetes Psychologist. This is the only podcast that coaches you through a five-step plan for how to manage the stress of type 1 diabetes. We do this by helping you build the critical parts of your stress management plan with type 1 diabetes like a sailboat. You are the captain, the whole of the boat is your diabetes knowledge and management, the sails are your mindset, the rudder is your behavior, and your crew is your support system. If you build the five parts of your sailboat correctly, you'll find smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. Each week, I coach someone with type 1 diabetes just like you on how to optimize their sailboat. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman. And on this episode of the podcast, we're focusing on the crew of the boat. That is your diabetes support team. Natasha's wondering how she can rally her diabetes support team around her as she moves to a new city, has to find new providers, and starts a new job. Where she's worried people question her ability to do her job because of her diabetes. We're gonna talk about how she can make sure that her support team is strong and that she's able to set appropriate boundaries with people in her life, especially her coworkers and her bosses around her diabetes management, her ability to do her job, and her need to take care of herself. If you've ever had trouble with type 1 diabetes at work, you're gonna enjoy this episode a lot. Here's my conversation with Natasha. Today I'm talking to Natasha who is a pharmacy student and she is getting ready to apply for residency and she is having some anxiety about how to approach diabetes and her preceptors and with her new bosses and with her new employment um, and how to make sure that she gets the support that she needs but also is able to succeed in her career. So Natasha, it's great to have you here with us today and Why don't you uh, start off by telling us a little bit about you and your life with type 1 diabetes? Yeah,
1: thank you, Mark. Um, So my name is Natasha. You said I'm in my final year of pharmacy school um, at the Medical College of Wisconsin. Um, So it's been a pretty exciting time in my life. But what really brought me here was being diagnosed with diabetes um, 13 and a half years ago. It was a totally unexpected trip. Um, No one in my family had it. It was really unknown at the time. Um, So I had a lot of issues with it growing up as just anyone would with an unexpected disease like that. Um, so it really brought my interest into studying medicine since I'd be on it for the rest of my life. I wanted to know more about, you know, why are we taking these medications and how are they doing what they do? Um, so here I am 10 years later, and I'm preparing to go to f- my first big girl career um, once I graduate in a couple of months. And I just want to know how I can approach the situation better. Um and not let diabetes be the focus of my career choice, but also to not let it prevent me from getting the career that I want to go into.
0: Yeah. So I have a couple of questions before we get started into the coaching section, just out of my own curiosity and probably for the curiosity of the folks listening here are, tell us about what a pharmacist does, because I think that sometimes we think about the pharmacist being the person at CVS who's giving us our insulin or other medications. I know that that's a really important job for pharmacists, but I also know there's a whole lot more to it than that. So can you tell us a little bit about what a pharmacist does and also like what sorts of work that you want to be working on when you finish pharmacy school?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So of course, we know our pharmacists at um, like our retail counters at Walgreens and CVS, and there's actually a lot more job positions behind that. Um, But definitely that's our frontline people where we're going to be educating you on your medications and whatnot. Um, But there's also positions in the hospital setting where we make medication adjustments for people um, with chronic conditions and things like that. Uh, One of my more recent experiences that I had the opportunity to do was counsel a patient who is newly diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and give them the lowdown, the work on the diabetes education part of it. And that's a huge role for pharmacists in hospital settings. Um, Also, for those who are getting their certified diabetes educator work done. And that's something that I want to do after my first year of residency Um, So doing a lot of education and teaching people how to manage their disease states is what I find really important about being a pharmacist um, because those medications are life-saving. And for a lot of us, without those, we wouldn't be here today. So it's really important to understand um, how to best manage that.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned before we got on uh, the recording today that you have had some negative experiences with uh, coworkers and bosses around your diabetes. I wonder if we could talk, talk to the listeners a little bit about what sorts of experiences you have, because I can imagine that many of us and many people listening have had similar experiences. And so um, we want to really work on that today and help you to find ways to get the support that you need while also being able to succeed in the work that you're doing um, without letting diabetes get in your way. So.
1: Yeah. Um, So, Part of the requirements for pharmacy school is that we go on rotations where we go and complete a certain amount of hours at different location settings. And I've had a couple of times um, in my earlier years of school where I had either missed a rotation day or had some issues because of, you know, the day after having a really high blood sugar or having low blood sugars on rotation where I would need to go sit down and It's important that I take those times to sit down when I need to, because if I'm the healthcare practitioner making medical decisions for (laughs) someone, and if I'm not in the right state of mind, you know, I shouldn't, it's really hard to make life-saving decisions (laughs) for other people. Um, So the scary part about it is that trying to make the right decisions and also still trying to keep myself healthy is really important. Um, And one of the bigger barriers is that there's not a lot of healthcare practitioners out there that have diabetes or understand the workload, um, of having another full-time job of taking care of myself. Um, so some of the reviews that I've gotten, well, they'll say like, okay, it's fine. And then I'll turn around and get a written review later that it was disappointing that I had to sit down several times, likely because of a low blood sugar, cause I couldn't be standing. Um, and I needed to sit down and eat or drink a juice. And those things are, something that I don't think of in the moment because I'm just taking care of myself, but it comes back in a review later. And mm. that's something that can affect my performance. So yeah. I want to know how to really kind of either address that to my employer right away without sounding like, Hey, I'm going to, you know, cause you never want to anticipate those things. Cause everything's a hypothetical situation at this point, but as a diabetic, we have to be prepared for the worst to come and know how to handle it.
0: Yeah. And I would imagine that as you're, Starting to move into the workforce and preparing to work, move into, as you call it, a big girl job, that that causes you anxiety. Like you're worried about how yeah. you're gonna you're gonna approach that, how people will perceive you, how you're gonna be how you're gonna be able to perform in the job, and, and you know, to be the best version of yourself that you can be. Hmm. Yeah. So tell me in in the past or in the situations, what have you told your employers? Um, your coworkers about diabetes?
1: So my best approach to it, and obviously this is something that won't work for everyone, but I've Mm -hmm. had to be a hundred percent upfront the first day on the spot and say, Hey, I have my cell phone on me and I have to keep it on me because it reads my, my glucose alerts and it alerts me and it's CGM. And I actually just started on an insulin pump a couple months ago for the first time, which is Uh very exciting. But now, it's carrying another electronic device on me and sometimes i it looks bad to be like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to look down at my phone for a second mm-hmm. when you're trying to bolus. And so I'm trying to tell them up front being like, Hey, by the way, this is it. Um, but the one part I've never really gotten to is saying, Hey, if I had a bad day yesterday, there's a chance that I might not feel good today. And those effects can linger. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it's, it's, you can't really like tell them exactly what you feel because you don't know. And you don't want to scare them and say, Hey, oh, this person's not going to be able to handle this because I know I can handle it.
0: Yeah. Well, and they probably it's, unless you've had those days where you had those after effects of a higher low, it's really hard mm-hmm. to explain. I mean, you, you can explain it, but pe- yeah. as we all know, people don't get it. It's like, it's an unexplainable mm-hmm. feeling that only people with diabetes can really understand. Yeah. O- on the, d- on and the days time where you progressed, have progressed, back- I've
1: told more people. So <laughs> <I'm> yeah, <sorry. laughs>
0: well, we, no, no, of course. No, yeah, you talk about, and, and I, I think we all have, but you know, even if you have, even your closest friends or family, um, when you say, yeah, my blood sugar is low, they can understand that by seeing you and they can understand that by seeing the after effects. But I think it's one thing just to, to be able to perceive it from the outside, but it's also a different thing to be able to have it happen to you internally and know what that really feels like. Because you probably look fine. I mean, we, we all, yeah. when we're low, you know, you may look a little bit weaker, a little bit shaky, but for the most part, you look fine. And then the next day, after a bad low you look fine but it's hard, it's you have that this lingering feeling of just like that heaviness and that weakness and that confusion that, that lingers on and it's hard to explain it's hard to even have somebody else understand that unless they've been in your shoes mm-hmm. um i'm curious how have you um on those days when on those days where you come back to work after having a bad day the previous one um do, have you communicated with your preceptors that your bosses around those bad days and that, that today may not be a good one for you?
1: Yeah, I've definitely had, um, times where I'm like, Hey, I was not doing okay yesterday. I'm coming back. I'm going to give it my all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, being upfront about it as much as I can helps. Um, but mm-hmm. it also depends on the person who I'm working with too. And I can't say for everyone that they're going to, understand my text message that I send them. Cause it's also, I have to be professional in the setting too. Yeah. Um, so it's mostly the understanding and giving as much explanation as I can. Um, but I also just, I don't want them to think that I'm not taking care of myself because it's, I am, it's just that those things happen. So mm-hmm. that's also a thing that worries me is giving them that outlook that I'm not taking care of myself and that I'm the healthcare practitioner, but mm-hmm. I'm not doing something for myself. So I've, I've heard that one come around a couple of times too. And, um, that's another one that lingers in the back of my head. And
0: so you, you've gotten that feedback from people that you're not taking care of yourself and you should be because you're a healthcare professional.
1: I've heard that a couple times, um, through a grapevine, So it was never documented okay. on me, but I've heard it come around. And, um, that's one of those where I've, I've made the effort to say like, Hey, you know, it's a difficult thing to take care of. And these things, do happen. So mm-hmm. every time I get feedback on it, I kind of adjust how I approach my next clinic setting I'm going to and how I want to handle the situation. Mm-hmm. But you can also only do that so many times before it's your career.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and Natasha, what I'm, what, what I'm seeing from you in this conversation, and cause just a little bit that we're talking right now is I see you backing down a little bit say, saying, well, you know, you know, it's, I, I feel I don't feel great, so but you know you, you can do your thing, and I can you know I, I'm gonna do my best, um, and I, I want I just want you to be aware of that because I think that that I think not not that um, you know I, diabetes is tough and having those days where your blood sugars are up and down, those, those days suck. We all know that, but I think that par- I think that part of it is and part of asking for that support is being confident. In the way that you do it and the way that you present yourself. And if you're if if you take these this feedback and you back down from it, I think it puts you in a position where it can be challenging to activate that support system and make sure and, and make yourself feel confident and make yourself have the ability to make your, your needs known in a very firm way. What we're talking about here is making sure that your support team is activated, and while this this is not your support team in terms of your friends or family or doctors, it's your support team in terms of your coworkers and bosses who have a different dynamic. Um, how you present yourself to them and how you make your needs known, I think, is a really important thing. And this is not easy. I, I know it's not. Um, you know, b- being confident and being firm in how you're doing what you need and how you can move forward. Um, but I think that. Um, really working on that could be a a key here for you as you're moving into new situations. I'm curious kind of what really that would, and, and, and let's talk about how, I mean, we'll talk about how, how you can do this. I want to tell a story. I remember in my first job out of college, I was working for a very small consulting firm, a job I really didn't like very much. But um, I remember one day I had some ice cream and my blood sugar skyrocketed and I was in the four or five hundreds and I felt awful and I, but I didn't tell anybody. And so I was in a meeting and I was just like dead to the world. I was just not productive in that meeting. And afterwards, um, one of my supervisors came to me and she basically did the same thing that you had experienced. You you know, what is wrong with you? Why, why are you, why, why were you out of it in that meeting? and i had to kind of jumble and fumble and try to explain that my blood sugar was high and that i'm sorry that would never happen again um as opposed to being more upfront and firm and saying yeah i had diabetes and i had a really bad day i should have communicated that to you and i didn't but i'm not going to apologize for um, the way that I feel, because it's just this is the reality of my life, and having that ability. I, I looking back on that, I wish I could have been more proactive in letting her know that, but also firm in letting her know that, like I, I'm not going to allow you to berate me or get me in trouble because my blood sugar is high. That's not fair, and that's not appropriate. Um, and I think that there's a lesson to be learned, not in not that behavior, but that's just a, that approach to setting that boundary, communicating effectively and uh, being able to to move on. But it's but I, I wonder for you, as you approach these situations, how confident do you feel in um, letting people know you have diabetes and also making your needs known, especially when you're not feeling well?
1: Yeah, i I mean, I'm very open about my diabetes. I think mm-hmm. that's you know, kind of one of my leading points in life, obviously, as to why I I went into pharmacy school. Um, So it it makes sense. And I'm open to talking about it. I think it's the parts where I'm when I'm not having the best control over it, or I'm having those defects that cause me to be like, oh my gosh, okay, this sucks. I don't want people to know I'm in my like vulnerable state right now. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's definitely where I get a little bit weaker and don't want to express that because I'm also the kind of person that likes to lead and to show people and I don't want Anyone to see that bad side to me, mm-hmm. um, so I think, yeah, it's definitely. I don't think I like push it as much when I'm like, hey, I really need to take a break because I just the kind of person that likes to work through it. And
0: yeah, you have what I call I'm fine syndrome. I have it too, where you're not feeling well, you're low, you're high, whatever. You're like, I'm fine. Leave me alone. I'm just gonna keep on keep on pushing through. But then you end, it ends up coming back and bite you in the, in the behind because you really needed to not be fine, to be able to recognize that you're not and to communicate that to other people and then to, um, to relax. And so recognizing when you are able to, when you're saying I'm fine, when you're really not is, I think, something that you could probably benefit a lot from. I talk to people with type 1 diabetes every day. And every day is clear to me that people at T1D need a plan. They need a plan to follow to manage the emotional burden of living with diabetes. Without a plan to manage the stress, life with diabetes is overwhelming. You feel like you're drinking out of a fire hose, and you have no idea how to feel steady on your feet and find the peace of mind you're looking for. You feel like diabetes takes away your freedom to live a normal life. A plan to manage the emotional burden of T1D is very simple there are five frameworks you need to know. And if you know these five frameworks, you have a plan for how to deal with any stress diabetes throws your way. With this plan, you'll be clear about what you're doing right now and what you need to do next. That's exactly what you get when you join Live Free With t At Live Free With t I coach you to manage the stress of type one diabetes like a sailboat. You are the captain. The hull of the boat is your diabetes knowledge and management. The sails are your mindset, the rudder is your behavior, and your crew is your support system. If you build the five parts of your sailboat correctly, you'll be sailing smoothly with type one diabetes. All of that is part of the plan that's available to you when you join Live Free with T1D. Plus, as part of Live Free with T1D, I host a live coaching event every month where you get access to me and have the opportunity to ask me questions and even get personalized coaching. To join Live Free with T1D, go to www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash live free with T1D. That's www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash live free with one d Join other people with type 1 diabetes, just like you, who have a plan to find peace of mind and freedom in their lives with type 1 diabetes.
1: Yeah, I think I've improved on that actually over like the past month or so, because when I was thinking about, you know, things what I can do to better myself, it's my reflection towards the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, It was one of those things is speaking up for myself a little bit more um, when it comes to this, because I feel like it gets thrown under the bus a lot and it's it's not healthy and it's it can be really dangerous sometimes too and Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah
0: (laughs) what i would encourage you to do is think about um being even more proactive than you already are i think i think being open about diabetes um, for some people, it's a really great idea, and for you, it sounds like it's a it's a natural fit. It's authentic to who you are, and so, of course, you don't want to hide diabetes if that's what you want to lead with. That's great, but also being very firm as to what could happen. Um, so in the beginning, saying, "I'm Natasha. I have diabetes," and these are the things that could happen to me. You know, throughout the day, you know, there may be times where I need to sit down. Uh, because my blood sugar is low, and I'm going to do my best. To, I'm going to do my best to communicate that to you, so you're not surprised when that happens. Or you know, there may be some days when I come into work and I'm not feeling well, and I want I'm going to do my best, but I also need to be able to take a step back, and I'm, I'm going to let you know when that ha- when that's going to happen, or that when that happens. It's almost preparing the person so that when you do let them know that is that what's going on for you, they're not surprised and they're not taking off guard, and they know what to expect from you. But I think that in those moments when you're, as you mentioned, when I, when you're vulnerable, um, when you go up and say, "Excuse me, I'm my, my blood sugar is low. I need to take it take a minute off," and then they push back on you, it's really hard to respond in those you know, those moments because your blood sugar is low and also you don't feel very well. But if you prep them and you you let them know what to expect. So when you go, when, so when you go up to them and let them know what's going on for you, which I think is a great idea and a very healthy thing to do, and they respond in a way that is not the way that you need them to, it's easier for you to push back because you're prepared, you're mentally prepared, you have a script in your mind of how you can do that, um, and then they're not surprised, and then they're they're not going there's not going to be this push and pull, and them perhaps inadvertently, not on purpose, taking advantage of you, saying well you look fine, get back to work as opposed to saying, you know, this is what's going on now. And um, I need you to give me five minutes. Um, I feel the same way with my daughter. You know, my daughter is four now and she's, you know, she, she knows what to expect. But if she didn't know that, if she didn't know daddy needs five minutes because his blood sugar is low, she would walk all over me. But since she's been prepped in advance of that, she knows, she knows that when I say that to back off and then to come back in five or 10 minutes when my blood sugar has been come back into, into range. And I think that there's a, it's a very similar dynamic between her and I and you and your future employer in a way of you know preparing them for what to expect. And then when it does, you just activate it. And then there's a sequence of events that happens um, where you're able to push back. And if they respond in a way that's negative, you have just a, a, a shortcut in your mind about what to do. I think that could be a really helpful strategy for you.
1: Yeah, that sounds very helpful, <laughs> actually. I would definitely like to incorporate that and come up with like my own idea of what to say as like an initial encounter. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. The other thing is, I think it sounds like you and th- th- that you don't feel confident around um, you know when you're, especially when you're out of range, like just being upfront with that. And I want to say that's completely normal. I, I, I'm not going to say, "Oh, come on, feel confident," because as we know, we can't just snap, snap our fingers and make ourselves feel confident. Confidence is not a feeling, and, and I would actually argue that confidence is not necessarily a feeling; it's a behavior. So you can feel like you're about this big and I hope you never do, but you can feel that way, but you, but you can act in a way that you are confident. And I think that as you're approaching these, these situations, especially interviews and new jobs and new coworkers um, is remember that no matter how you feel um, you can still present yourself and act in a way that's confident. I think that most people who are, who appear confident don't always feel that way. And that's okay. But it's recognizing that it's, that, that discrepancy and that, 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 discrepancy is okay. And doesn't really mean much about you, except for you are acting on your feelings rather than acting on, you know, what you are and you can be confident, mm-hmm. even though you don't feel that way. And with diabetes, you feel vulnerable. And so that to feel, feeling confident is maybe a stretch sometimes, but that doesn't mean that you can't present yourself and, um, make your boundaries known and make your needs known in a confident way, no matter what you're feeling inside. Because if you wait until you feel a certain way to act that way or to, to present yourself that way, you may be waiting a very long time. But by being prepared and letting people know what you need, the confidence will appear, you'll appear confident and then you'll be able to get that accomplished no matter how you feel. And thats I think that's going to be an important process for you as you're going into the working world of pharmacy.
1: Yeah, definitely. Thank
0: you. So I'm curious, as you're moving into this new um, world of your career uh, next summer, what are some things that you want to take away from this conversation that you can uh, put into practice, either starting now or getting prepared to put into practice starting in uh, June or July when you start yeah. your residency?
1: Um, I think definitely being able to approach the situation better. I'm going to be, you know, potentially moving to a new area where I don't have the type of, I've lived in the same area for 27 years. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I have my support system around here, but possibly having to reestablish that in a new place during a stressful time in my life. Um, and then, you know, I still have my connections at home. That's a phone call away. But when you physically are needing those things around you, um, it's a scary move for someone who's never done it before. Um, and then also just kind of making sure that I'm getting the right fit with the potential residency I choose um, that can also make sure that I'm taking care of my own health care needs, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I think you bring up a good point there. That One that I want to make sure that we cover is making sure that the the place where you're working is going to respect you. Because if, if they're not respecting you in terms of your diabetes, think about all the other ways they're not going to be respecting you. And so you want to find that fit. Also, remembering that just because somebody says something behind your back, whether it's a preceptor or a boss or a coworker, we often take that, those things personally, as we should. However, you never know what happened to that person that morning. Or why, why they are doing that, and so so when that does happen to you, you have to ask yourself, you know, what's an alternative explanation? One is that they're a jerk and that they um, don't like people with diabetes or they don't understand diabetes. Fair enough, that that's a possibility. But the other possibility is that maybe that they're they got cut off on the way to work or they got in a fight with their wife before they left for the office that morning. And remembering that things that the feedback that you get and the um, the interactions you get, some don't always, what you get on the surface doesn't always actually indicate what is the reality behind the surface. And so, um, and, and keeping that in mind as you're communicating with your coworkers, setting boundaries with them, and letting them know what you need can be helpful in making them seem, in your mind at least, more open and approachable in terms of helping you with your diabetes. But if you think, okay, well, they said this, that means that they must not like me, or they must not respect me in my life with diabetes, then all of a sudden you cut that off. And until you get evidence to show you that they really are a jerk, or they're really not going to help you out, um, I always like to give people the benefit of the doubt and try to come up with alternative explanations as to why they may be acting the way that they do. And that can be a helpful way of Allowing you to be firm, to set boundaries, and to make your needs known um, in a way that you think is going to be approachable as you are um, doing this in in your new role. And I think as you as you um, move on in your career, you'll become better at this because it takes practice, it takes reading people, and also it takes you know practice setting those boundaries. So I would encourage you to do that and, and early or early on. But also know that you may slip up, and that's okay. Um, all, you can only learn about how to make get your needs met in your diabetes management um, by practicing, by slipping up, and by trying again.
1: Okay. Well, Natasha, I thank have you a so curveball much. Thrust oh. Question for you, quick. Actually. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, have you ever had anyone take a turn on that and say that you're talking too much about diabetes?
0: Uh, well, that's a curveball question <laughs> for me because I talk about diabetes all the time because it's my job. I know. <laughs> Um, so I can't remember ever anyone in my life ever saying that to me, but I definitely have encountered people who, um, who have had that happen. Um, and these are people who work outside of the diabetes world. And so them talking about diabetes all the time is what may be a little bit more shocking than me doing it. Um, but I think that if that happens, a couple of things I would suggest for you. One is, um, doing a little self-reflection and saying, you know, am I actually talking too much about diabetes or and, and not that you not that you can't talk about whatever you want to. Not that's not what I'm saying at all. But I think that sometimes we as people with diabetes since we live it all the time, we make it we make our lives about diabetes too much. Me- meaning, you know, I want to go play golf or I want to go for a run. But, and then, but diabetes overlays that. And it has to a certain degree because you want to keep your blood sugars in range. But if you're talking to your friend on your walk and the, the entire walk is about how your blood sugars are out of range, you have to ask yourself, is this helpful for me or is this not helpful for me? And so um, when that comes up, you have to, I, I think some self-reflection can be good. But at the same time, you may want to talk about diabetes and you may need, you may need that. And so asking yourself, is, a, a, am I putting this on myself or am I getting my needs met? Um, as I'm talking about it. And then when that happens, you know, if you, if you argue your needs met and someone's pushing back on you, they may not be the best person to fill that role in your support team. So I don't have an easy answer to that question, but I think some, some reflection and then some asking yourself, you know, if this is the case, why am I doing this, um, can really enlighten you as to, to help you to um, get the answer that you need in that, and then make adjustments to your behavior, if necessary, appropriately. Okay, thank you. You're very welcome. Well, Natasha, thank you so much for joining me today, and best of luck as you're preparing for this next stage in your career.
1: Thank you so much, Mark. I really appreciate all your advice. It's very helpful.
0: (laughs) You bet. At the end of every episode, I give you a plan of action where you can take what you learned in this episode and apply it in your life type 1 diabetes today. And today's plan of action is to do a boundary assessment at work. Take a minute and think about what are your boundaries at work, and are they being respected? Are people pushing you to do things that you don't want to do or talk about at work around diabetes? Are they making comments about you, or are they getting in the way of you managing your diabetes, treating lows, treating highs, and dealing with the day-to-day stress of life with type 1 diabetes? Or are things going well? Think about it. Write it down. And if you identify something where things could get better, please take action. Speak up to HR, to your manager, or to your coworker. Your coworkers are part of your crew. They're part of your support team. And we need to help them rally around you so you get the best support that you need in your life with type 1 diabetes. Thanks so much for joining me on the Live Free with T1D podcast where I teach you how to build your diabetes management plan like a sailboat so you could have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. And I'll see you back here next
1: week, same time, same place. Bye for now.